The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on Twitter to join these conversations live. And check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion, hosted by Michael Guyad. My name is Michael Guyad, publisher of the Lead Lag Report. Uh, joining me, Tarek Mansour. Uh, Tarek, um, I know you have only 30 minutes for this conversation, but introduce yourself to the audience. Who are you? What's your background? How'd you get involved, interested in markets? And what in the world is Kalshi? Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Michael. I'm, I'm excited for the conversation today. Um, I'm Tarek. I'm the CEO and co-founder at Kalshi. Um, talk a little bit about my background, then maybe my segue into Kalshi. So I'm, uh, I originally studied at MIT. Uh, Technologist and, and and you know finance person at heart worked had a few stints at Goldman and Citadel and a few prop shops and then decided to start Kalshi uh, from from those places. I mean I think the the fundamental insight that we had into the market is at a high level uh, a lot of institutional as well as retail flow today and trading is actually centered around events, the occurrence or non-occurrence of events. So people are thinking like, will Brexit happen or not? What will happen in the next elections? What will the Fed do? And a variety of other things. And, you know, when we started digging, there wasn't really an exchange. So you, today, you know, you have an evolution of trading with options and futures and, and a variety of of, um, uh, of instruments that allow you to get exposure to uh, things that are physical, like grain and metals and gold. And then you have, you got indices like S&P and, uh, and now we have the interest rate swap market. It's a massive market. But if you cannot actually get exposure to um, uh, simple but, but very relevant things like COVID and what will happen in the climate and weather and politics and economics and so on. And so that's the premise of Kalshi, where an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or, or the CME, for those of you who are familiar with the derivatives world, it allows people to get direct exposure to a variety of uh, events. Um, the exchange uh, started, uh, we started maybe four years ago, we took three years to get regulated and uh, essentially convince the federal regulators to, to regulate this asset class. Um, and so we're the first and only exchange that allows people to trade on this asset um and um today we've launched last year and the growth of the exchange has been pretty tremendous and we list a variety of different things uh, some of our main markets uh, that have recently gotten a lot of volume is essentially uh, market center around the fomc decision so what the fed and jerome powell are going to do at every meeting and inflation uh because a lot of people are using our product as an inflation hedge they just basically are getting direct exposure to inflation um and then you know, the markets are basically spinning out forecasts on what is actually going to happen with inflation and the Fed. So I'll stop there. I'd love to, you know, answer any questions, but ho- hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, no, it's, and, and it's because I'm, I'm trying myself play catch up, but I'm looking at the site. Actually, this is uh, fascinating from what I'm seeing looking at uh, your site. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, you're not necessarily sort of approaching it from the standpoint of uh, these would be the, the 
types of options, option contracts to get exposure to some event. It's it's some kind of contract between those that are essentially betting on an event against each other. Yeah, I mean, I think the way to think about it, 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 it functions like a typical traditional market. So we have a central limit order book, same as the New York Stock Exchange, and then people can buy and sell those markets. And then whenever someone wants to buy at a price that matches the price that someone wants to sell at, there's a trade. So it's a very traditional, you know, I think it's, it's really functions like traditional futures or options markets. <clears throat> So, yeah, that's that's super interesting. So it, it kind of makes me think a little bit about the the, the pre- predicted type of um, sure, yeah, thing, right? That you see. So so take 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 me back to that. Um, as I recall, predicted was was I don't know if it's still around, but I thought it was banned because of that that kind of betting aspect of you know what happens to particular events. Am I am I wrong in that? How, how does how does that interplay with what you're doing? Sure. So, so predicted wasn't actually regulated. They were at some point granted, uh, you know, from the regulators, the federal government, they were granted a letter saying, hey, if you stay small and you do it for research purposes and nonprofit will let you do it. And I believe predicted like infringed on some of these clauses. So the, the government shut it down. Uh, Kalshi and my company is actually different because, you know, what we really unlocked is we actually got this whole uh, product and platform regulated. So we convinced the CFTC, which is our regulator and the federal government. And we've had to work, you know, throughout the regulatory and political structure to make this happen. It's a very, very difficult path, but we got the whole space regulated, which has opened up the ecosystem uh, for this new asset class. And now you, you see the bigger exchanges and all the players, the big players that you may know of, looking to get into the asset class. So, so that's really the big, big difference. It's really the unregulated versus regulated difference. How do the events um, come about? Is it, is it, you know, you, your team? looking at news headlines and then saying, okay, let's make a, let's make some kind of instrument around this, or is it based on something bottom up with the people that are using Kalji? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's both. So uh, the team, you know, looks at, always looks at what's trending. We run a bunch of, uh, we, we, we run a bunch of, you know, models that basically ingest a bunch of data from a variety of different places and figure out what are the things that are top of people's minds that are trending, what are the things that people want to hedge or are worried about. And we list those markets for trading and people can trade them. You know, one example would be sort of the SVB crisis that happened, uh, and we can talk about that a little bit, uh, last weekend. And, you know, what are the types of markets that you know, people and companies could have used to basically hedge that exposure they had? Um, now, the other thing that's novel about our marketplace is like anyone can suggest the market. And there's a good chance that it ends up being listed. And the best way to explain that is imagine you're trading on your typical brokerage app like Schwab or TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or other, and you had an ad button which allows you to add... An, an instrument to trade on that you're interested in. It could be something like, it cannot, you know, I want to trade on the next jobs numbers on the economy, or I want to trade on whether another bank is going to get bailed out or explode, or a variety of other things. And so that would be Calshi. It allows you to basically suggest the market and trade on it uh, 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 in a pretty active way. And, and is the, what's sort of the, the, the geographic mix of those that are, uh, let's call it the early adopters? I mean, you've got beta after the Calshi on the website, so it's obviously still new, but what's, what's the makeup of the early adopters? Yeah, actually, the platform has grown quite a bit. Uh, we leave the beta, we, we kind of reserve the right to leave the beta sticker to keep iterating, hearing customer feedback, and improving the product. Uh, but the product is, is, is quite sophisticated. We have a website, an app on the App Store, and an API for, for any uh, algorithmic traders in the room. Uh, Michael, just to make sure I understand the question, are, are you asking basically like the, the types of traders that are on the platform? Yeah, like so, so. Like as I look at this, right, I can see uh, maybe people that are not naturally traders, but maybe want to bet on geopolitical events, and maybe they're more in Europe than the U.S. Yeah, so we're, we're focused on the U.S. right now, but um, you know, we, we have two types of traders. I'd say at a simple level, 
So one type is essentially, you know, so I would say reasonably sophisticated traders that have a portfolio of stocks and, and a variety of other things. And they use these events to hedge that portfolio. So imagine, you know, last year in 2022, a lot of people basically were looking for an inflation hedge. And, you know, some of you may be in the, in the room today that you thought, okay, how do I hedge inflation? And some people basically bought S&P or bought gold or bought uh, Bitcoin as a way to hedge against inflation. Now, it turns out that none of these were good inflation hedges. You know, uh, inflation kept going up and all three of the, 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 the instruments kept going down. So people, you know, lost some inflation, but also lost on their, on their investment. Now, uh, a lot of people now, you know, these people that want to basically put on the hedge are using our inflation market to, basically, to, to hedge against inflation. Because you can just buy the inflation market on Kaoshi and if inflation keeps going up, you get paid. And so you're basically protected against inflation in a way that wasn't possible before. The second type of user is uh, essentially people that are, you know, not that excited about options and futures and kind of all these sophisticated financial products don't necessarily care, frankly, about Tesla or Marriott stock and what's going to happen, but they have a lot of opinions and read the news and they know what's happening with the economy broadly, you know, how the economy is moving, how, you know, what are different, you know, what's happening with different bills in Congress, you know, who's going to win different elections, what's happening with the climate, hurricanes, etc. So they have opinions about a variety of different things that relate to them. And this is a very good entry into the financial into the financial trading space on a topic that is essentially simpler to understand, simpler to trade, and more relevant to people. What has the 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 pricing um, real time movement act? I mean, it, it, this is not like a like a stock or an option contract that's a derivative of a stock, right? I mean, this is these are people betting on a particular event. Um, I guess we're trying to get to the question of uh, how 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 what what is the pricing mechanism to be. Absolutely. So it's supply and demand. It's basically the marketplace trading. And so people are trading against each other. They put orders on the book the same way they trade a share of Apple. And then as they put more and more orders and more and more trades, the, you know, the, basically the price, price update dynamically. This is the thing about this. You know, Kaoshi is becoming a, a, a source of truth for real-time pricing about a variety of different events. So a lot of economists and, and government entities and, and and, and, you know, professors and traders are now coming to Kaoshi, not just to trade, but they also come and get informed about our forecasts. So they look at essentially like our economic or Fed forecast and they see that the prices are updating in real time. Um, and, and the power of this is that, you know, when you put a market where people have money and skin, you know, skin in the game, when they have money on the line and you allow a bunch of people to trade about this, you get basically the concept of wisdom of the crowds which is essentially aggregating everybody's opinions to get a very good forecast of what's going to happen next. Next, So if you're ever wondering what's going to happen next with, you know, a certain weather pattern or inflation or fat or, or, or anything else, that's a good place to go to. Yeah, no, that's very, very, very um, interesting. Okay, let, <clears throat> I'm curious about this from a, the standpoint of sort of a, a signaling aspect, right? So uh, have you seen anything that would suggest that, for example, if a lot of people are trading on, uh, you know, uh, inflation uh, uh, thoughts or whatever the Fed might be doing. That there's uh, more predictive power in in what you're seeing there in terms of those contracts. Is it a contrarian signal? Um, talk about the the sort of aspect of the pricing as it relates to the likelihood of sophisticated players who know this stuff more deeply getting it more right than you know somebody on CNBC. Sure, I mean I think it's uh, definitely definitely. So the interesting part is. So one example I, I like to give is, is in, in inflation forecast because it's been so good. So in the last 12 months, our inflation forecast has been the most accurate on the street. And actually, Bloomberg, the terminal, uh, and is now pulling our data and re- slowly replacing the Bloomberg Economist survey 
uh, by our, our data, by the forecast coming from our markets. And it's really phenomenal because, you know, a, lo- a lot of uh, the forecasts from inflation come from Wall Street, usually from the big hedge funds and the big, you know, uh, fancy traders that are trading. And, you know, they give you basically a forecast on where inflation is going to be. And our markets are mostly mainstream. It's basically people that are smart and sophisticated, and, but they're not, you know, trading professionals necessarily. Uh, but, uh, and, and those people, the Main Street has been outperforming and, and, and forecasting better than Wall Street, what each inflation is going, print is going to be. So it's, it's really been phenomenal. And we did have some contrarian views that end up being correct. You know, one example is one of our markets had actually predicted the Omicron wave pretty early in the cycle of the Omicron wave, much, much before, much earlier. And that was, that was another interesting development. I'm curious. Um, I'm sure you have thought of this, and I'm sure that's part of the terms of service and all this. But yeah, for example, like I'm looking at one of the contracts, okay, unemployment, right? So betting on it being above 3.5 percent at you know 64 cents, yes, 41 cents, no, above 3.6 percent, 37 cents, you know, yes, 68 cents, no, and there's volume. Um, how, how could you? What if there's somebody who actually knows what the unemployment number is that's working? You know. Uh, for the government, um, presumably they're not supposed to trade on that, and maybe they're thinking on on the compliance end is there's no way to trade on it uh, on, in a traditional way, but obviously through what you guys are doing, they could. Uh, I, I wonder if that's sort of another interesting dynamic of almost like a different form of insider trading. Not that it's necessarily your responsibility, but I can see how how this might open up a whole another element of of compliance. We'll be back after a quick break. Hello, listeners. Michael Guyad here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report/leadlaglive and get an exclusive thirty percent off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the lead lag report. And now, back to our discussion. Absolutely. I mean, we're a fairly regulated exchange. So, no, it's absolutely our responsibility as an exchange. And we run surveillance systems um, that monitor trading activity and patterns uh, all across. So, you know, you may be familiar how, like, the New York Stock Exchange, when, you know, you hear on the news, for example, Goldman Sachs trader was charged for insider trading. So, actually, the New York Stock Exchange runs systems that flag these types of activities and then report them to authorities like the SEC or the CFTC to, to prosecute. We do the same. We've built our customized ad hoc systems for events that are monitoring weird types of trading patterns. Uh, we obviously have KYC. We know who the members and participants are. If there's any weird patterns, when we match them to who the person is, if they have any political affiliations, if they have access to non-public information, we basically investigate, run investigations and can also, can, you know, the person can be hit by a fine all the way to essentially prosecution by the regulator. So it's a very, very important function of a regulated exchange and one that we take very seriously. But the other thing I always say is that, you know, in, in any type of market, there's always essentially room for manipulation and cheating. The important thing is having the right set of rules and safeguards to limit that cheating and flag it when it's happening. And, and obviously be very tough in enforcing it and punishing it when it happens. But, you know, as you know, like a lot of people that are trading on stocks try to basically get access to insider information and trade based on that. Uh, but the safeguards and limits in those markets uh, allow these markets to be essentially transparent and, and fair. Uh, so again, for those in the audience, I am sincere about this. Uh, this is not 
and I'm not being paid to say, to say this, and many of you know, I, I typically try to prep, you know, a few minutes before, but I'm like, I'm going on Kalashi.com. To be honest with you, uh, Tarek, I mean, kudos to you. This is actually like incredibly impressive. Even the idea that you can bet on when a debt ceiling hike happens yep. is yep. a contract that has 73,000 on the volume becomes law by August 1st versus becomes law by July 1st. Right. And there's, and there's, you know, yes and no, you know, uh, sense attached to that. That's, that's super, super interesting. The, um, I'm curious to talk through the audience, the, uh, the complexity of getting this approved as an exchange. I think you mentioned three years. Um, I'm sure there was a hell of a lot of back and forth. Yeah, it was very complex. You know, the, the federal government hasn't, hasn't, hasn't done this before and there wasn't a lot of appetite to doing it. We had to work, you know, with, with both regulators, you know, the commissioners, but also Congress, and we really had to work through the whole stack to build momentum and, and build uh, conviction. This is an important marketplace to exist. And it's one that uh, can bring a lot of benefits to society in terms of forecasting future events, but also allowing people to hedge against different things. Um, so it was a very, very tough path. I think we were the ones that really kind of pushed through it for three years. Uh, that's all we did uh, all day, all night, just three years of regulation. And, you know, we managed to get it done. Uh, and that really... I think meaningfully opened up the market for 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 uh, an asset class that I believe could be, you know, one day could rival uh, stocks one day in terms of volume. Um, and I like that you mentioned the debt ceiling market. It's a really interesting one, right? Like, you know, that it, it gives you a real time forecast of whether the debt ceiling is going to be raised in time, right? And and that's very important for people to know because if the debt ceiling doesn't get raised, it's it's going to be chaos in this country. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the kind kind words, Michael. How um how big is the team? How um I assume obviously you've probably had a few rounds of funding throughout this, uh, but but talk about just kind of the the journey of getting to the stage just from the standpoint of building the infrastructure beyond the regulatory approval. So we built, I would say, when I talk about it, we built four things. One, there's the infrastructure of an exchange. So think like we built the New York Stock Exchange from scratch. So this is this game matching different traders. It needs to be fast. It's like the execution needs to be high quality, etc. Then we have the clearinghouse, which is basically the place that does the custody of customer accounts, making sure that they're safe, they're held in a safe account that is segregated and protected by federal laws, uh, and it does all the clearing and margining of the trade. So when you do a trade, you basically figure out how much margin you need to post, and you know we, we uh, in real time adjust how much margin needs to be posted on that trade. Uh, then there's a surveillance system that I mentioned. So there's a lot of sophisticated data science and analytics that ingest the trading data from the exchange and flag. And, and last is we also have a, a separate hedge funds that trades on the exchange that essentially there's a lot of algorithms to basically price different markets, trade on them, and, and hopefully uh, uh, price them correctly. But yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of infrastructure. It took us a very long time to build all the infrastructure. Uh, you know, it's, it's very deep fintech financial technology infrastructure. And, and uh, you know, we, we have a very robust team of engineers that, that is working on, uh, on that. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. Um, what are some of the things aside from like that that particular contract that um, has been just for you personally kind of fascinating to track? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been fascinated by a variety of different things over time. I mean, I think, you know, personally, I really like the COVID era because at some point we really, the, the place where people were coming, because, you know, the, the, the cases were sort of, you know, rising and, you know, the government wasn't really clear about what was going to happen or not. And it was just complete chaos and people have a lot of debate around that. But when you came to the Kashi marketplace, and again, like people are putting money on the line here, so they have to be very truthful because you know people are very careful with their money, uh, and traders are sophisticated. So 
the, the, our COVID markets ended up being an incredible forecast of what's going to happen with COVID in, in the U.S. COVID number of cases, COVID, COVID number of hospitalizations, positivity rates, all these different things. And so those markets, I think, were really, really phenomenal. And we had built a really interesting dashboard at the time uh, to basically track the COVID cases and forecast them over the next few weeks and next few months that people were using to know, uh, to know what's going to happen with COVID. And right now, actually, if you go to Kashi.com slash forecasts slash inflation, we also have a version of that of what we forecast inflation is going to be over the next one to two years, which I also think is really, really important given that inflation hasn't gone down and could be impacting the average American pretty negatively if it stays high. Do you find that a lot of the, the people that are on the platform are trying to uh, essentially trying to find a way to, to bet on a, on a tail? events right i mean there, there's a there's an aspect of this where there's convexity for example you know one of the examples is u.s national debt default you know by december 31st of this year so 16 cents for a yes right all right we all know it's unlikely but are there people that are, are gravitating towards this because they're trying to just you know maybe get a big payout from contrarian trade on national events uh, so it's it's an interesting yes yes so i mean there's two types of traders look i mean i think there's type of traders, right? The reason the reason I'm framing it that way is that it's not like you're betting on a trend, right? Because if it's event driven, you're trying to play on the payout of a of a mispriced probability, which which you know a lot of people do that, right? Like a lot of people buy, for example, contracts that are priced at one percent chance of happening for a hundred hundred x payout. So for every hundred dollar you put, you get ten thousand dollars because they believe that the market is mispricing it, and they believe the probability and the likelihood of that event happening. It's not 1%, it's more like 3 or 5%. So those people are basically trading on the mispricing, right? And, you know, and oftentimes, you know, we have people that did this in Omicron, that do this on the Fed market or inflation. They, you know, they see that the market is pricing something at 2 or 3% for a chance of 50 to 100x return. And they basically buy it because they think that, you know, the probability of that event is higher. And then they end up sometimes getting that 50 to 100x payout, which is pretty phenomenal. It's pretty staggering. So... Some people do that. Yeah, there's people that are on the other end of the equation that basically like to, you know, uh, what we call it yield farm, which is essentially they buy an event that's priced at 80%. Uh, that it, you know, let's say it settles in a week and you get an easy 20% return in a week, which is really hard to get by with any asset class. Uh, and one example right now is the, the, is the Fed market. If you buy, you know, the, the chance that the Fed does one rate hike at, at the next uh, meeting, uh, you will get like an 80%, 20% return. Uh, for for an event that seems to be relatively surefire, um, so depends on the type of traders and their risk profile and how they think about return. What's been the uh, the biggest pushback that you've seen? I mean, again, I I I, I can I can myself unequivocally see myself doing this, yeah, right? yeah. And, and trading these kind of things. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's it's still new, right? So you still have to convince people that first of all it's safe. Okay, you're regulated, fine. That's a big big part of it. But um, but also that it's 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 not rigged or gamed, I guess, to some extent. Yeah. I, look, I mean, I think, you know, we've been we've been going you know, at a pretty phenomenal rate over the last 12 months. Uh, I think that we've built a lot of trust. I mean, I think the regulated piece is really important. You know, we have one of the really rare uh, exchange derivatives exchange licenses in the U.S. There's very, very few of those. And those are very, very difficult to get. And there's like oversight from the federal government on everything we do and everything that traders do. So there's not, you know, like a website, a betting website on the side that, no one knows who's running it, et cetera. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a federally regulated exchange that's offering federally regulated products. Uh, so that's, that's easier to trust in general because, you know, there's federal oversight there. 
um, you know, I think uh, we do a lot of education and learn. So if you go to cashy.com slash learn, um, uh, you can see a lot of the materials around like, you know, how do people think about trading? How do you think about event contracts? What is this asset class? How do you use it? How to trade it safely, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, we, we are a team of, of both Silicon Valley and Wall Street veterans. Uh, so we're backed by, you know, maybe from Sequoia and a few others from Silicon Valley. And then from uh, uh, Schwab and, and KKR uh, on the Wall Street side. So we have pretty heavy backers that are, you know, for, at least their names are relatively known and, 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 uh, and, and well represented. But yeah, I think, the, the, you know, I think it's all about education. It's all about people understanding the asset, trying it a few times and then telling people around them. And uh, that's how you build trust over time. So again, I know you got to hop in the next couple of minutes. Everybody, please, first of all, make sure you follow uh, Tark uh, Mansoor here and obviously check out uh, Kalshi. I mean, I, I do want to do actually a follow-up space on this. I, I do think it's fascinating in a lot of uh, respects. This is more just a, a quick question. Uh, why the name Kalshi? Is there, is there some uh, definition attached to that? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, come back anytime. This, this is really fun. The name Kalshi is, you know, and uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I was born in the U.S., but I grew up most of my life in Lebanon. And uh, Kalshi in Arabic means everything. Um, so I, I just always thought that it was an interesting thing because at the end of the day, fundamentally, what we're allowing people to do is trade on, on, on everything, uh, except for, you know, a few things that we do on our list, but, um, that's really the, the, the kind of genesis, uh, or like the foundation, the, the reasoning for the name. Uh, and it's stuck since then, uh, people like it now and, and it's becoming a brand. So it's been, it's been good, good to have. Yeah, no, everyone, again, I, I encourage people to just learn about it. It's, I'm going to spend some more time myself. Fascinating, uh, conversation. I'm going to have another space in about 30 minutes with Michael Belkin. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Tarek, I know you got to go. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Quick up here. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.